Well, we begin a new preaching series today called Beyond Me, and I'm excited about what we're going to be sharing with But First of all, I just want to say that I am just blessed with a, a number of people that are in my life that I, that I count as friends and, and, and colleagues, and I just want to first of all thank all of our staff team for all they did over Easter weekend. If you're a staff team member here, would you just stand so we can just thank you for all the tireless effort that you put into things? Would you stand? Is there anybody? Okay, there we go. There's Mac. Yeah. Just thank them. We appreciate you so much. Thank you. They put in so much time. And then, and then I also want to just give credit to where credit's due, really, the, the secret behind the sauce, and that's my wife right down there. I just want to say thank you to my bride. She's wonderful. In a few weeks, she's going to be actually speaking for Mother's Day and sharing, so you don't want, you're not going to want to miss that. Um, actually, speaking of my wife, just a few years ago, it's a true story, I, I came home and I walked in the door, and she said, I need to talk to you. And so we sat down, and she said, Ray, I just want you to know that, that, that I need your help around the house. I need your help with the kids. I need your help um, with just things going on. And I listened to her, and I said back, well, I am around. And she said, you're present, but you're not present, Ray. I need your help. This, life is better when, you know, you're fully engaged. And I knew she was right, I'll be honest with you, but I didn't want to admit it. So I kind of stalled and I asked a couple other questions. But inevitably, I came to the conclusion of this, that the person that I was, that the me that I was, wasn't who that I, that I, that I wanted to be. I had these guys uh, create this, this word here because I thought it'd be a great visual for you. That the me that, that, that we are isn't always the me that we, we want to be. And my wife made the, the, the note that, I was needed. I was needed as a husband. I was needed as a, a father. I was needed, and I still am needed as a son of my mom and my dad, a sibling to my sisters and brothers. I'm needed as a friend in the community. I'm needed as a pastor. I'm needed as a person, and we all are needed. In fact, that's part of the legacy that we all leave, right? One author said it this way, that the, the great use of a life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. And I want to ask, what is the legacy that you're leaving? Are you truly living a life beyond yourself? And that's really the question that we're going to be asking over the course of this preaching series. And I, I would hope and pray that you would come back and you would walk along in this journey with us because I believe that God sees the me that we all intrinsically want to be. I really do believe that. And, and even though we may be living here, I think that God sees a me that's down the road and he actually knows the journey and how to get there. Scripture talks about in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, he says that we are God's masterpiece. Everybody say that word, masterpiece. Masterpiece. But note that we are not our masterpiece. You see, the, the road, the journey to, to literally become the person that we want to be, to live beyond ourselves, begins and ends with God and God alone. I, I was with my cousin a few weeks ago. They came down to visit. We had, they had a great time. And he was telling me about how they live in Michigan, how they had, they had lost electricity for an abnormal amount of time in the middle of the winter, just sub to zero degree temperatures. He said his house was uh, very, very, very cold. It kind of got into the 40s. And when it got into the 40s, he got scared about his pipes and all that stuff. So he broke down and he went out and bought a real big generator to power his house. He plugged that baby in and, you know, everything came back on. And it just kind of hit me. And I thought, you know what, God, he's not only the generator as the creator, but he's also the generator of our life, the generator of a life that thrives, the generator that takes the me that we are and he wants to move it down the line to the me that, that we all want to be. And I, and I think that is so true. And we've seen people like that in our life. We've witnessed these kind of people, right? The, the kind of people that just have joy. It's just 
overflowing in their life, or the people that are just full of laughter, or the people that are content in their life, or the people that even in the valley, even, even in the hard times, they sense uh, a feeling of centeredness, and, and they don't panic, or, or they're just real, and they're authentic. We, we feel that. And so what we do, because we see these things, we try to put on a facade. We try to do this on our own accord, right? We, we, we try to copy them. We, we, we try to do something and, and compare ourselves and, and pretend someone who we're really not. There was a, a lieutenant, freshly minted, and he sits in his new office, and, and there's a private that's coming in. He can hear him walking down the hall, and so he picks up the phone, and he begins to have a conversation with a general, a fictitious general. And the private walks in the room, and he says, yes, sir, general, you can count on me. And he slams the, the, the phone down, and he says, what can I do for you, private? And the private says, well, here, I'm here to hook up your phone, sir. But, but it's exhausting, right, to try to be someone who you're not. To, and we compare ourselves. You know, you've got the young mom with all the little kiddos running around, and, and she compares herself to a mom that has kids out of the house. And they run two different schedules, but the young mom is trying to do all the things that the older mom is trying to do, and it just ruins her ability to thrive in her life. Or even we try to do it ourselves, right? We are a culture of do-it-yourself. Some of you are phenomenal at remodeling your homes, and you've done it through hard work and grit. But let me tell you this, that you cannot do it yourself when it comes to thriving. You cannot become the me that you want to be. You cannot move beyond me in your life on your own merit. Let me say it and say it again. It begins and ends with the power of the Spirit of God in your very life. So last week on, on Easter, I, I talked about a conversation that a man by the name of Nicodemus had with Jesus Christ. And Nicodemus in John chapter 3, we'll put the words up here on the screen for you so you can follow along. He asks Jesus, basically, if I can boil it all down, what does it look like and how do I thrive in my life, Jesus? And Jesus replies, he says, I tell you the truth, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, this was a shock to Nicodemus. Here's why. Because his Mishnah, their, kind of their Bible, if you will, their law said that if you're just not horribly wicked, you will thrive. You will enjoy the kingdom of God. But here Jesus is telling Nicodemus that's not the case, even though you're a Sanhedrin, which means you're the, you're the upper crust of society in regards to religious circles. You, my friend, will not see the kingdom of God. You will not, you will not thrive. And this is a slap in the face to Nicodemus. And Jesus expands. He says in verse 5, I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit humans can reproduce only human life but the don't miss this but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life and then Nicodemus he's confused right and he says well how can this be so Jesus tries to bullet down even further into a story that that he knew that Nicodemus would know so he he shares about um, what happened to Moses in the desert in verse 14 he says and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness so the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life Jesus is trying to get him to understand that the provision of God for those people in that day was that they, they were to put their faith and trust in God's provision and they would see the kingdom of God. It was by the Spirit's empowerment. And Jesus is making the, 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 the bridge to Nicodemus that he is now the provision. That in a sick world full and infected of sin, he is the answer, he's the solution. And, and he caps it all off with my favorite words in John chapter 3, verse 16. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? That he so ever gave, he so ever what? Yeah, believes. And him will not perish, but have eternal life. 
And this is God's plan for all of redemption. This is God's plan for your life and my life. And it's not about effort. It's not about what we can do. It's not about how we can pull ourselves up from our own bootstraps, even though we are Americans to the core, right? That we are spiritually reborn by the power of the Spirit of God. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone, say that word anyone with me, anyone, anybody across the world, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the Old is gone, the new is here. You see, Max Lucado would say it this way, that the, the Wizard of Oz would say, look inside yourself and you'll find yourself. He would, and then he would say, you know what? God says, look inside yourself and find the Holy Spirit. You know, one, of, one way you'll find your way to Kansas, the other way will get you to heaven. And you have to understand which one you want. So I want to ask you, do you, have, you have you been reborn have you entered the kingdom of God based upon the fact that you admitted of your sin and you trusted Jesus, firmly planted in Jesus, fully knowing in your heart that he is your only way, exclusive way to a relationship with Almighty God? That's your first step. And maybe you need to walk one of these aisles in just a little bit, come to this altar and say, you know what, I, it is time for me to put my faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. So, so we put our faith in Jesus Christ and, and things are just so good. I mean, we're just hopping with energy. We're spiritually uh, vibrant. It's like a spiritual honeymoon. Everything is great. It's on the up and up. Everything is up and to the right. We're feeling great about everything. And then somewhere along the line, we start to sense that things have gotten a little dull. We begin to lose momentum in our spiritual life and things begin to get ho-hum. Going to church is ho-hum. Uh, meeting with friends is ho-hum. You read the Bible and it's just ho-hum. You look at his, his word and it's just like, well, I guess that's pretty good. I know I need to, but somehow, some way, you just sense something is growing. And what is growing is that there is a gap. And I love how one author explains it this way, that this gap begins to happen between the me that you currently are and the me that you want to be. And this gap is growing further and further apart, and you sense it, and so how he, what he, I love what he says. He says, you try to install gap management. And ma gap management is where with your own sheer force, you try to bring those two things together. You try to literally will yourself to live beyond yourself. And you do it through education. You do it through hard work. I mean, you're going to do it on your own. And inevitably, what it does is it leaves us stuck in a process that God never designed for us. And I'm going to try to illustrate it for you real quickly. Um, first of all, what we do is we think, you know what? Gap manage it. We're, we're just going to try to try harder. We're just going to do it and do it harder on our own. And we work at it. We educate ourselves. And, and then what inevitably leads from just trying harder is that we become fatigued. We just become exhausted from trying to do it all on our own. This gap management exhausts us to no end. And then from fatigue, eventually, it leads to us either wanting to or literally throwing in the towel. Just, just throwing the white flag up and saying, I quit. I can't handle it. And then from there, we inevitably end up altogether feeling guilty. And then we repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. How, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you felt this way? I'll be honest, I have felt this way. I've gone through the same cycle over and over and over in my life. The, the, the person that I want to be and the person that I currently am is such a wide gap and I try because I, I, I want to succeed and do all these things because I feel like that I can do it and I want to become this great person, but I just can't do it on my own. So here's what I want to lay a baseline for us today. Okay, if the Spirit of God, the sovereign Spirit of God is 
the, is part of the rebirth of our life, then don't you think that same spirit will sus- needs to sustain your life? So in essence, it not only saves, but it sustains the Spirit of God. And if that's the case, then my friend, it's a whole different conversation for us as we try to become and live beyond ourselves, isn't it? And here's what I don't want us to miss. At the very end of John chapter 3, verse 16, Jesus says eternal what? Life. Eternal life. That's the very last word he says in verse 16. And the word life is the word zoe in the Greek. And and it means to thrive. It means to move abundantly. Basically, it means, you know what? I want your life to not just be this current thing, but I want you to take major strides forward all the way into eternity. And we pass by that. We don't let this soak in. But, But if we can just stop for a moment, think about that we then begin to understand that the, the Spirit of God is a major part of our sustainment and living beyond ourself. So real quick, this isn't exhaustive. This is not by any stretch of imagination an inductive study on the Spirit of God. Real quick, just a few things about the Spirit of God. Number one, the Spirit of God is a person. It's not a power. He's not a thing. He's a person. He's, he's a third member of the Trinity. And in John chapter 14, verse 17, It says about the Spirit, the Spirit dwells with you and will be in you. There's relationship with this person. Number two, the Holy Spirit is God. He's part of the Trinity. He's the third part of the Trinity. Many times we talk about God, we talk about Jesus, we never talk about the Holy Spirit. And many times I would even say he's the forgotten God. Okay? Number three, the Holy Spirit has his own mind and he prays for us, which is encouraging. That in Romans chapter 8, verse 27, he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of Almighty God. And number four, the Holy Spirit is powerful. Say that word powerful with me. Powerful, yeah. The Spirit is powerful. And if there's, if there's an image that I can give you to, to, to give you an idea of the power of the Holy Spirit, I want you to think of a rapid river. If I don't know if you've ever experienced a, a rapid river in your life. Maybe you've waded in and it, and it swept you off of your feet, or maybe you try to swim upstream in a river. I'm not sure, but a river that is powerful. In John chapter 7, verse 38, Jesus would go on to say this. He said, whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. If you've ever sensed and felt the rapid river underneath your feet, this is the sense of the Holy Spirit when he's moving in and through your life and your heart. And as I continue to preach this morning, what I want you to gather from is that very much that God... Spirit can be a river moving in and through your life. And and we find the word river used over 150 times in Scripture. And uh, a lot of times it's connected to the spiritual life. And it makes sense, right? Wherever a river goes, things grow, correct? Yeah, they do. So if that's the case, well then wouldn't it be our job to just stay in step with the Spirit? To not be on the bank, to not be in the trees, but to be in the, the flow and the current of the Spirit. If the Spirit of God sustains us, wouldn't it be our greatest intention and our highlight and our aim to be in step with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, this powerful force? It would be. And when we do this, friends, we experience the Zoe kind of life, the life that takes us from the, the life that we're living, living a life that is beyond our own power. That's really good stuff, okay? And it's right from God's Word. 
It's so powerful, in fact, that the, the Apostle Paul, he, he plants a church in this town called Galatia. And, and there, the Galatians, they're trying to understand this whole thing, and he wants to, them to understand the same truth for their life. And so he begins to talk about what it looks like to walk in flow with the Holy Spirit. And so he has this discussion in Galatians chapter 5 with them. And I want you to turn there in, in your Bible or tablet or your smartphone or even in the Bible in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, you can take that Bible home as our gift to you. But um, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. And you know, one of my favorite sounds at, at Graceland Baptist Church is the, the, the page, the sounds of t- uh, scriptures, pages turning to scripture. I love that, all right? It's the greatest sound, I think, sometimes um, here at Graceland. So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul, he begins to talk to these, these, this church and he says, Look, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul begins, he says, look, so I say. Look, this is heads up, Galatians. This is heads up, people. I've got something important to say. And he says, walk by the Spirit. This is an indicator of what's going to happen here, that, that he wants us to move in step with the flow of the Holy Spirit of God. And this is what it simply looks like to do that. Now, when, when we are in the river and we're in the flow, we're, we are walking in the Spirit. When we step out of the flow of the Spirit, every single moment that we're outside of the step of the Spirit, time goes by. Second after second after second. We only have so many seconds. And as the seconds go by and the minutes turn into hours and the hours turn into days and the days turn into weeks, what begins to happen is a gap is created. And when that gap is created, we, my friends, are living outside of the spiritual empowerment of Almighty God and we cease to live beyond the me that we want to be. I'll give you an example. This last week we had family night at our house. It was a great time. And afterwards, we decided, after dinner, we decided, you know what, let's, ha- let's play soccer in our backyard. Okay, a little bit of bio about me. I played baseball, basketball, football growing up. And I never played soccer a day in my life. Uh, but I'm coaching my daughter's uh, soccer team, so I'm trying to learn the game. My wife, on the other hand, was a phenomenal soccer player. Played select soccer, played all the way through school. Really, really good athlete, really good soccer player. A, a scorer, so she had a really, really strong kick. So it's uh, my wife and our three-year-old against me and my six-year-old. And so the six-year-old is playing, obviously, like top defense, and I'm kind of at the goal. And it's just kind of having fun, okay? We're not not deathly serious here. Well, so she gets past my six-year-old, and my wife is dribbling towards me, and I start to kind of like back up against the goal. And she's, I don't know, five, six feet away. And I'm I'm kind of anticipating, you know, that. But she kind of like, like that. And when she did that, I just, I didn't even have time to think about what would happen next. And she nailed me laser shot right into the groin. I mean, like direct hit. And I did this, oh, like that. I dropped to my knees, no lie. And, and at that moment, friends, I stepped out of the flow of the spirit of God. I was on the bank, I was up in the hill somewhere and family night was over, okay? It was over right then in that spot. You know, and it took me, it, it took me an hour to, to, to step back into the Spirit of God. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you a question, okay? So, so when, life, when life hits you between the eyes, when life hits you squarely, where it hurts the most, what comes out of you? And, and then the next question is, when it, when, when it does hit you and you do step out of the flow, how long does it take for you to step back in? Because the break will, be, will, will either be long or it'll be short, and you have that choice to make in your life. 
making sense to you? This is walking in the Spirit of God. Augustine would say this, Without the Spirit, we can neither love God nor keep His commandments. It's all by the Spirit's flow that we are to live beyond me. And then Paul continues to go on. He says, look, if you don't walk by the Spirit, you're going to gratify the desires of the flesh. And the desires of the flesh are, is the old me. It's the me that, that, was, that was spiritually renewed and redeemed. It's the old me that is full of pride and selfishness and arrogance and, 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 and all the things that we don't want to be. And these are, these are being gratified and, 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 and propped up once again when we're not living by the Spirit. Paul goes on to say in Galatians 5.17, he says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Meaning that, that we're an internal civil war going on. That the flesh against the Spirit are battling it out. And walking by the Spirit is, in essence, giving up control to the Spirit of God. How many of you love to give up control? Probably nobody here. And here's why. I don't like giving up control because I don't want to not know where I'm going. And, and here's why. Because I may be asked to do something that I don't want to do. Who, how many of you love to be comfortable? We would all say, yeah, we all love to be comfortable. Yeah. And, and, and when you give up control... Comfort may or may not go out the window, and the Spirit of God is going to ask you to do something that you may not want to do on your own, but here's the deal. The Spirit of God knows how to get you to where you're living beyond yourself, but you have to trust that Spirit to get there. Am I I making sense? And when you begin to put your trust in that, that's when things begin to change. That's why Paul is saying that. But the Spirit is also might, is going to start prying things away from you, and selfishness and arrogance and, and self-centeredness, it, it, there's going to be some dichotomy beginning to happen. When this begins to happen, that's when the real fight's on. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Don Treader, he writes about a boy named Eustace, and Eustace begins to develop, uh, to become a dragon, dragon skin. And, and Eustace has to go through this transformation where the dragon skin is literally ripped from his body in order for him to be a boy, the very person that God made him to be. And the point that I, I love it, how C.S. Lewis is, is making here, is that he's like, look, this is what sin is, is doing is in, in your life. It's become so much a part of you that it's almost going to have to be like ripped from your skin, perhaps. But the Spirit of God doesn't want to hurt you, okay? But he, he does want to free you more than anything. And he sees what the life you could lead, but you have to be willing to walk by the Spirit. And then he goes on in verse 18, he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Basically saying, look, if you're led by him, you're not initiating, he's initiating, then you are going to, you're not going to be under the law, meaning that you're going to requirement the basic fulfillment and requirement the law has set out from the very beginning, and you're not going to be under the condemnation of the law, which to the Jews he's writing to is a big deal because the Torah had a lot of laws, and they're saying, oh my goodness, the Spirit of God can direct us in such a way we're not going to be under the condemnation. Whoa, that's the covenant which Jesus was talking about in the upper room the night before he would pass away it's all connecting now and then verse 19 following says if we look at these verses there's just an expansion of what's look like to live in the flow you've got these contrasts you've got you know verses look at it with me it says work of works of the flesh but then you've got these other phrases that say fruit of the spirit and as i was reading it this week i thought okay why fruit of the spirit instead of works of the spirit because it would match the other phrase. And, and here's what I, I came to understand. 
that Paul wants you and I to understand that it has nothing to do with anything of your work. He wants everything to, everyone to understand that it's a fruit of the Spirit that you are able to live beyond yourself. And, and fruit just starts popping up. And then he goes on to list the fruit. He says, in verse 22 and 23, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and, and what? Self-control. And the first of all those is what? Love. If you can love, I mean, everything else is just kind of, kind of, it's, it's the gravy train. There was a, a man shopping, and, and in a shopping cart, he had a fussy two-year-old. And he's going along, and he'd stop, and he'd whisper, okay, Billy, you can do it. And then he'd shop a little bit longer, and he stops, and Billy, you got this. Don't give up. And, and then there's, a mo- there's another woman that's watching him, and she stops him. She says, sir, I just want to interrupt you real fast. I just want to say congratulations for being so patient, so loving to your fussy two-year-old. And he goes, well, ma'am, you need to understand something, that his name's Patrick. I'm Billy. <laughs> but the Spirit of God, he whispers in your heart, and he says, this is how you love. And then, poof, love. Synonymous with walking in the Spirit is to love. And and the reason why this is important, listen up, this is key. You can spend your entire life just trying to love, okay? And you will totally miss out on what God wants from you. You can love and you can have the greatest funeral, leave the greatest legacy. You can have the most saintly eulogy the world has ever seen and God will not have been impressed. You know why? Because you're asking the wrong question. The right question is, how does the Spirit want me to love? You see the difference? And when you begin to ask that question, the Spirit of God is leading and sensing and leading, and He leads you from the me that you are into a whole nother life. And and so this is critical for us. So the thing that we must just gravitate towards is we must step into the flow of the Holy Spirit, flow of God, and not step out of it. Now, how do we do that? How does that happen in our life on a daily basis? Well, I want to give you real quick practical steps on how to do this. Five of them, if you have your notes. Um, I'm going to give you some fill-in-the-blanks there. And I'm also going to kind of tell a story and weave this in and out to help you understand it a little bit better. So, I was leading a mission trip to a large city. And there was a, a, group of, a, a large group of us. We had two passenger vans that carried everybody. And we were headed to one destination in this city. And we were over an hour and a half away. And I, I decided that I could just figure out my way on my own. I didn't need directions. I mean, after all, it's north, south, east, west, right? Men, would you agree, right? I mean, we can figure it out. Just a couple roads. And I kind of knew the general vicinity of the, <laughs> the place where we're going in a city of 9 million people. Not too, not too hard, right? Well, we get utterly, completely lost to the point where we're in the ghetto. I'm, it's way away from where we should have been. Where we were, and, and my wife is in the other van, and she's texting me, and I'm driving. I'm supposed to be texting, checking my texts, and, and she, I know she's mad. She's like, where are you going? Did you, you, know, did you use the, the tools that you have? And finally, I pull over to the side of the road, and I just, I just surrender to Siri. <laughs> you ever had that moment? Like, I, I surrender, Siri. And that's really the first step, that you have to surrender to God, that you have to give up control. And and maybe you've never given control up to God in your life. Maybe that you're a businessman, or maybe you're a businesswoman, or maybe you're a mom, or you're a dad, you're a, a student, and you've never given up control of your life to Jesus Christ. And maybe today would be the day that you would come to this altar. You'd say, you know what? I give up control to you. I surrender. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 1, says, Paul would say, give your bodies to God. Verse 2, he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person, that we are powerless. Another way to say it is this, you got to give up to go up. You got to surrender in order for your life to, to go beyond what you're currently living. The second thing is found in, in the next part of the story, and that that, that I, once I surrendered to Siri, I, I said, Siri, <laughs> would you please map the location? And then she said, calculating. And she began to put the map out. And, and she gave me the next right move. And that's number two. You have to simply ask. You have to ask. You have to ask God. You have to, this is prayer. And prayer is, can be out loud. It can be internal. It can be uh, eyes closed, eyes open. But this is prayer. And Jesus promised that he would be attentive to our prayers. To ask him, God, what is the way? Because I don't know. Map the way. The third one is that as I began to follow Siri, I didn't know every single step, every direction. And and honestly, I began to question. I'm like, a left here, and then a right here, and then a straight there, and then a right, and then a, have you ever doubted Siri before? Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, I really know where I'm, even though you have no clue, you still doubt. Siri, well, this is kind of where I was. But here's the deal. I had not taken into account how many wrong turns I had made to get to where I was. Sometimes we get so lost in our life, it takes God quite a while to get us back to where we need to be, right? But here's the deal. You have to believe. That's the third one. You have to believe. You got to believe in your source. You have to believe that God knows what he's doing. And you ask questions. God, do you know what you're doing? Am I going to have to clean up behind you? How am I going to look? What are people going to say? What about my family? What about these relationships? God, are you going to work things out? You got to believe. And you got to want to believe. You got to believe in the source that is leading your way. The next one is, after an hour of driving in, in, the, in, in the car, I'll be honest, I just kind of let Siri sit by herself. I thought, okay, I know where I am. I know where the destination is. I, I think I remember where we're going. I got this. I got cocky. I got self-confident. I thought I could do it on my own. I knew better. And then all of a sudden, I heard her do this, recalculating. I hate those two words or that phrase, recalculating. Well, I'll recalculate you, all right? And so what I had to do is I had to turn back around and I had to get on that one path that I I had to get on. Here's the deal. You're going to make a wrong turn. You're going to get cocky. You're going to drop the ball. You're going to step out of the flow of the Holy Spirit. And you know what you're going to have to do to step back in? Confess. You're going to have to confess. There's a confession that happens at the point of salvation. And it's admitting of your sin and needing Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. But then there's a daily, minute by minute, second by second, even confession as a Christ follower that has to take place. And as it takes place, what's going to happen is we're going to find the mercy of God in our life. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness, that we are saved by the very grace of God. But let's not take into account the fact that if we rebel long enough and hard enough, the discipline of God might take us longer to get back. Why? 
because it's, it's going to take us a while to get back to where he wanted us to be in the first place. But we must start with that confession. And maybe today you need to confess. There were people that came down to this altar in the first service. They just simply confessed, God, I'm sorry. And you know what confession is at, here at Graceland? It's turning back home. That's how we define it, repentance at Graceland. We turn back home. After all, we are a church of grace. We want to be anyways. And so you know what? It's finding a place of grace and mercy at, in the arms of God. You know that on Facebook this last week, there was all that news about the guy that was murdering people and putting it on Facebook. I don't know if you heard about this, but it's horrific, horrible, horrible deal. And then the guy ended up committing suicide. Just a terrible situation. And I, I just was grieved by it. But, but one thing that just kind of set my mind reeling was the fact that the victim's, uh, the, the victim's family said, you know what, we're kind of sorry that we didn't get a chance to speak to him. Because we wanted to tell him that we forgive him and we wanted to extend a hug, an arms of forgiveness to him. And you know, somebody made the mention to me this week. They said, you know, that's exactly what God does. In the face of our rebellion, in the face of whatever we do, he extends his arms of mercy to us. And I thought that, my friends, is the greatest example of the gospel you'll ever see. And then the fifth step is to simply to act. To act. To step back into the flow of the Spirit upon confession, to, to stay in the flow and to stay there and let it flow through your life and let your life become the me that you truly want to be and you're truly living beyond yourself as the flow and the Holy Spirit leads. Notice it's not the first step, right? But after his enablement and his guidance, it's the last step to act. And see, when this happens in our life, when we begin to see the Spirit's flow in our life, what is the outcome? What is the overpour? Well, here's what the overpour is. The Spirit not only flows in you, but He flows out of you, right? And that's the beauty. In the Bible, if you look in the book of Genesis, there's a river that's mentioned at the beginning. And then when you look at the end of the Bible, there's a river that's mentioned at the end. And one of the scriptures that talks about that river towards the end is the, is the Apostle John, and he says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. Each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. You see, once the Spirit flows in me, he then can flow out of me. And the Apostle John would say, look, the, the tree bears 12 crops, which signifies the 12 tribes of Israel, which also signifies the 12 disciples. But then he goes on to say that through those, that the, the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. And here's why that's good news. And here's why you need to listen to what I'm about to say. Because the, the healing of the nations through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit are for the people in Syria right now who are being decimated. It's also for those around the world that have never heard of the great news of Jesus Christ. It's also for your neighbor. It's also for the coworker who was left out of the office party. It's for the home that was completely brutalized, brutally wrecked with divorce. And it's for those in this society that are completely put on the back burner. The Spirit of God is flowing for the healing of the nations. And that, my friends, is the greatest picture of living beyond yourself, I, I could ever even grasp. Would you stand to your feet and can we close our eyes together? Maybe just put down what you're holding. 
And in this room, I just want you to focus on not what you're going to do in the next few moments or where you've parked or what you need to get to, but I just want you to think through what the Spirit of God is impressing upon you right now in this moment with your head bowed and your eyes closed and, and the team here begins to just play softly behind me. I want to ask you this question. Have you surrendered? Have you truly surrendered? Men, have you surrendered to God? today. I don't know. I just feel like I need to just challenge us men as fathers, us young men, as old men. Have you surrendered? Because I'll tell you what, my pride is awfully strong and I want to do things my way, but have you surrendered to Jesus this morning for the first time? Or maybe you've been white knuckling, gripping your life lately. Have you surrendered? I want to challenge you. If you want to be a man, a man that, that, that walks in the flow of the spirit, that, that lives beyond themselves, I'm going to challenge you, challenge you to surrender this morning. Or maybe this morning you, you need to just confess. You need to confess what you've been involved in in your life and, and you're sick and tired of carrying all of this on your shoulders and today you just want to f- come back home and you can come to this altar and do that. Or, or, or today, maybe you would be, you know, you say, Ray, I just, need to, I just need to just put all of my strength and my, and my trust in this Jesus who is guiding the way that, that he knows the turns that I need to make. And I don't need to be five steps ahead. I just need to be one in step with the Spirit. If that's you today, maybe you need to come forward and you need to pray. But the Spirit's moving and we have to, my friends, act as he asks us to. So I'm going to pray for you and then I'm going to give you the opportunity to come forward and to, maybe you'd like to pray at this altar or you'd, be, you'd act, like to be prayed for by someone else or you'd like to take communion as a Christ follower or my friend, that you would like to react in a way that the Holy Spirit wants you to. Heavenly Father, I pray for my friends. Thank you for the Spirit and what you're doing and how you're truly giving us the opportunity to step into the flow of the Spirit and to truly be transformed in our life from the inside out. I pray for my friends. I pray that to this morning they'd be encouraged and they'd be given hope for their very life. In your name we pray. In Jesus we pray. Amen.